Well, I don't think that it's any secret for any of us that we live in a time where we are surrounded by injustice. There are a lot of things going on that when you look at it, you say, that is not right. That is something that is unacceptable. That is something that I cannot turn and look away from and pretend like it's not happening. As a matter of fact, it is becoming more and more common, uh, especially, I work a lot with young people, especially with young people, but I would say certainly it should be true for the body of Christ as well, that we are saying enough is enough, that when it comes to human rights, that the church should be out front, that we should lead the way, that we should be a voice for the voiceless, that we should be those who are standing for those who have no one else standing with them or for them, how many of you would agree that when it comes to people having the right to uh, access for clean drinking water, that the church should be leading the way on that? Are you in agreement with that? I don't know how you feel, but I, I believe that as followers of Jesus, we should be the ones who are out front when it comes to saying it is a human right that people have food and clothing that they deserve, the basics. We're talking about the essentials. We're talking about things that are human rights that people deserve. And I realize that today in this message, my talk is not to talk to you about a human right, but I am on assignment from the Lord to talk to you about the human right. You know, with all of the injustices that surround us, the greatest injustice would be that someone would actually be able to live and die having never heard the story of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest injustice. So when we talk about human rights, that's what we're saying when we're talking about the human right. The human right is that people would know Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I just stop and think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he's called me, how he's with me, how he never leaves me, he never forsakes me. When I think about the fact that no matter what I go through, I'm not discouraged or depressed because I know that if God is for me, who can be against me? When I think about that, I say, thank you, Lord. Forgive me the privilege of hearing about Jesus. So we're talking about the human right. We're saying that it's the right that all would know that there's a God who loves them. And the human right is all about knowing Jesus. It's the church, church's responsibility to make him known. That's why I want us to talk about this for just a moment, because if you have someone who is communicating the gospel, they're telling people about Jesus, but they're not doing anything by way of acts of compassion or by, by way of acts of justice. They're not doing anything to meet the needs of people. They just want to talk about their religion all the time. In that sense, that person is preaching a gospel that Jesus himself never preached. And yet at the same time, if you have someone who wants to get consumed with acts of compassion or justice, and yet they're not putting Jesus right at the center of that, they're just meeting physical needs. How many of you guys know that in that sense, we're only offering people a better sense or another brand of misery? We're not giving them fulfillment unless we're giving them Jesus, because Jesus is the answer for the world today. Jesus is the only one who can bring hope, sustained hope, fulfilling true life-giving eternal hope. It's only found in Jesus. So I want to look at the human right and our responsibility to make Jesus known. 
all across the world. If you have your Bibles, you can look at chapter 10. We're going to be looking at a story today that is very familiar with most everyone in the room. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, you can just follow along on the screen as we're looking at Luke chapter 10, specifically at this parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody ever heard of the Good Samaritan before? Anybody ever heard of the Good Samaritan? You know, we get that phrase that somebody does something nice or they do some, something good, they do some kind act or something, and they say, well, he was a Good Samaritan. That's like, that's like it means something, you know. But this is the story that like launched that whole concept. And we're going to see that this was Jesus' idea. And we're looking at Luke chapter 10 beginning with verse 25. If you're ready for this, say, uh-huh. And if you mean it, say, oh, yeah. Let's look at it in verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So this is a guy who's an expert in the law or the scriptures, and yet he's asking Jesus, what do I have to do to experience eternal life? This is a guy who knew the scriptures inside and out, forwards and backwards, and yet he's asking Jesus, what do I have to do to know that I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? Teacher, tell me, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. I don't know if you underline in your Bible, but if you do, that would be a good thing to underline right there because we're pretty, that's pretty relatable to us. Have you ever found yourself in a situation to where you knew what you could do, you knew what you should do, you ought to do it, but instead of doing it, you were looking for a way to justify why you were not doing it. Anybody ever done that before? You don't have to point at a friend, but you can raise your hand. Have you ever been there before? You knew the good that you ought to do, but you didn't do it. Instead of doing it, you just thought, you know what, let me exert this energy. Let me justify why I'm not doing it. So this guy looking to justify himself, he asks a question. He says, so who is my neighbor. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, He came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is a great story. This is an awesome story. Because you got this guy wanting to justify himself. He's like, what do I have to do to go to heaven? He says, well, you're the expert in the law. You tell me, how do you read it? Well, I'm supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus is like, B-I-N-G-O. You got it. That's what you're supposed to do. Go and do do that. Instead of the guy going, okay. 
Instead of the guy going, well, I want to, but Jesus, I can't. Because here's what it means. Being an expert in the law, I understand that to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself, what that means is I'm supposed to love God perfectly with every ounce of my being, never failing to love him as he deserves to be loved. And I understand that if I'm going to love my neighbors myself, that means I am perpetually to love and meet the needs of those around me, and so I'm supposed to care for them. And so, Jesus, I just realized what you're telling me to do, I'm not able to do it. And so, Jesus, I want to have eternal life, and you're telling me this is what it's going to take, but I can't do that. That's the only acceptable answer. But instead of saying the only acceptable answer, I can't do it, he says, who's my neighbor? This is hilarious because it's as if Jesus is going to go, okay, well, you've got the Smiths on your left and you've got the Jones on your right. You know what I'm saying? This is hilarious. What am I supposed to do? Love the Lord your God, all your house, no money, street. Love your neighbor as myself. Mm. Who's my neighbor? Like how far does that, like two houses down? Or is it just like on either side and directly across the street? Or is it the crazy man Julio, two houses down? Do I have to love him too? Because if it's just this one group of people, these certain people, I think I've got it. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But if you're talking about some of the crazy people on my street, that's when the, that's when the, the wheels start getting a little wobbly, Jesus. So when we talk about neighbor, who exactly is my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, let me answer for you this way. There was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So this guy's about to get a little lesson here. He's about to get school. He doesn't even know what's coming. How many guys know that's the way Jesus is? He'll just catch you off guard. He'll just, you don't even know what's coming. Jesus like, boom. You're like, okay. This guy's like, so, so who's my neighbor? He's like, well, let me tell you a story. This is this man. He's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. What this guy listening to Jesus tell this story would understand is the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is a dangerous one. It's about a 17-mile journey. It's dangerous because of the terrain. I mean, it was a 4,000-foot climb, and so there were, feet, there were, there were places, there were, there were spots, there were turns, there were comebacks on this, on this path to where you could fall to your death hundreds of feet down, three, four hundred of feet. So it would just be a dangerous road by itself. But it was dangerous not only because of that. It's also dangerous because people understood that's where crooks, bandits, robbers would hang out. They would hide in the caves. They would hide behind rocks. And when people be on, this, on their trip and on this journey, they, these guys would jump out, and they would rob them. So sure. Sure enough, as this guy knows, on a journey, they know, he knows, oh, that's dangerous. Jesus says, there was a man going down on this journey. He was going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as you would expect, he fell into the hands of thieves. Jesus says that they beat him. They stripped him of everything that he had. They left him on the side of the road to die. He was so beaten. He was so bruised. He was so bloodied. Scripture says that he was left half dead. You and I may say he was in critical condition. 50-50 chance if he was even going to make it. This guy, after being so severely pummeled and beaten, kicked punched, left to bleed to death, left to die. The robbers take whatever they had stolen and they left this guy alone being on this road. It could be a long, lonely time before anybody, if anybody, would show up. Maybe you could relate just to the feeling of being hurt, being broken, being abandoned. 
You could probably also relate then to how this guy felt when he heard the sound of footsteps in the distance. And he's hurting. He's agonizing in pain. But he can tell somebody's coming. And so just through a bloodied eye, he tries to look up and see who it is. And Jesus said, while the man was left there, there was a certain priest who came along. I don't know what this guy was feeling. He may have been thinking sometimes like you and I do when we're gun shy, when we've been hurt and somebody's coming back, we don't trust. We're thinking, have they come back for more? Have they come to do more damage? Have they come to finish the job? Have they come just now to to have fun by way of my pain? Are they coming to add insult to injury? And so you can only imagine how relieved he must have been when it wasn't his attackers coming back, but instead it was a priest. It's a preacher. He had to be thinking, oh. This is my lucky day. I thought I was left here to die, but here comes a priest. See, a priest would represent as a picture of the highest level of religious leadership, one who would not only know the scriptures, but one who would be responsible for leading people in the worship of God. He would be the personification of someone who worshiped God. As a matter of fact, he would understand Scripture, and he would then be familiar with the place in Leviticus where it says, if you ever see a stranger in need, you're supposed to love them and care for them and help them. So this guy has to be thinking, this is great news. But because Jesus is such a great storyteller, he never lets us anticipate what's coming next. Jesus says, and a certain priest came, we're like, oh, that's a good thing. This poor guy, he needs some help. And Jesus said, and the priest came, and he saw the man. And he passed by on the other side. This kind of catches you off guard a little bit. The priest? And Jesus says, and then a Levite came. You're thinking, oh, good, because this poor guy sees the priest coming. He's like, thank you. I always needed some help. I'm so glad. The guy leaves. What? Then a Levite comes along. He said, well, what would the Levite represent? Well, if you would understand in just this religious uh, structure, leadership structure, if you would, This Levite would be like an assistant to the priest. You might call him like an associate pastor, if you will. I mean, he wasn't like the main guy, but he was on the team. You know what I'm saying? He still represented church leadership. So this guy must be thinking, I don't know why the priest didn't stop and help me, but here comes the Levite. Surely, surely he's going to reach out and help me. Certainly his heart started beating faster, and he thought, this is his moment. And Jesus says that the Levite saw him, and he too went away. And pass by on the other side. And I'm like, Jesus, come on. You are throwing preachers under the bus right now. Come on, Jesus. Come on. We're supposed to all be on the same team. And you're just making us look so so heartless. And I mean, couldn't they have done something? Didn't they give him some money? Didn't they pray over him? Didn't they sprinkle some oil or something? I mean, didn't they do anything nice? Jesus says they saw him. They did nothing. They turned their backs and they walked off. And then Jesus takes it up another notch. And he says, but then came a Samaritan. Uh-oh. Look out. Because if this guy got excited thinking, oh, here comes a man of God. Can I tell you that if that man was on the side of the road hurting as a Jew, he would look at a Samaritan and he'd think it's over now. I don't stand a chance. Why? Because there was so much animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews. There was so much discord. There was so much hatred. They despised one another. They could not get along. As a matter of fact, if a Jew was going down a route from the north to the south or from the south to the north, he would not take the straight line through Samaria. He would go all the way around so as to not associate with the Samaritans. And the Samaritans had an equal hatred for the Jews. 
So that's why you would think when this guy's on the side of the road and he's just on Struggle Street and Jesus says, and then this Samaritan came. You're like, well, if the priest didn't even help him, if the Levite didn't even love him, dude, you're hosed. It's over. Bad news bears for you because here comes next man on the scene, Samaritan. And Jesus says, and the Samaritan saw the man and he took pity on him. You know, I don't know why the Levite, I don't know why the priest didn't do anything. I mean, maybe they had a lame excuse, a lame excuse like, I'm busy, or it might be a trap, I don't, I, I don't know, I, you, you might be trying to lure me over there, and some guys, I, I don't know, maybe it was a lame excuse, or maybe it was a pathetic excuse. That's your problem, not mine. Hey, sorry for you, but I'm gone. Or maybe it was just some excuse that in their mind, in their heart, they just justified it. I wonder if the expert in the law is seeing himself at all in the priest and the Levite. Who is my neighbor? Well, let me just explain. the re- I would have, but... I think most people in the room, myself included, I don't think that we're pathetic people. I don't think it's like, well, hey, good, I'm glad. it. I don't think most of us are there, but I think it's awful relatable when we see something and we justify why we do nothing. Have you ever watched one of those news reports or seen one of the video clips where somebody was involved in some crime or there, there's some guy getting, getting beaten and while the guy's being beaten, that you're, you're, you're horrified by watching footage of someone being attacked. But to make it worse, have you ever seen one where in the video it showed people standing around watching? Have you ever seen one of those videos before? I mean, it's one thing to watch a guy being attacked. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to even, like, keep watching as he's being punched or kicked. But then when you see people standing around doing nothing or some people taking a video with their phone, doesn't, I mean, I, I don't know what happens in you, but inside of me, something rises up and says, somebody do something. Somebody help that guy. Somebody step in and do something about it. And I would say most of it, if you're like a, a decent human being, there's something in you that says, help the brother out. And when I'm reading the story, priest and Levite, I'm like, dude, you can't walk off like that. And the Samaritan says he saw him and he took pity on him. But he didn't just feel sorry for him. His compassion drove him to action. He didn't just say, man, that's a shame. And a lot of times that's where we hang out. We say that's not right. The human right would be that people would know about the healing power of Jesus. They'd know about the grace of God. They'd know about the forgiveness of the Father. That's not right. And instead of like doing something to get the word out, we would just say, they need him. Well, cool. We know that. But what am I doing to meet the need? Silence is the enemy of truth. To face opportunity and do nothing is not to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. I got to do something. It's the human right. 
It says that he took and he, he started placing bandages on and caring for. Why? Because it's not always easy or clean when you're carrying out the human rights. As a matter of fact, I would say some of the most key influential moments of ministry in your life where God uses you, it's not going to be the easiest or the most convenient. Do you think that the good Samaritan woke up that morning and said, I'm going to take a little trip from Jerusalem to Jericho just to see if there's any Jew on the side of the road bleeding or broken? That, do you think that was on his mind? Do you think that when he's pouring on the oil and the wine and giving uh, uh, bandages, you, you think it's because he was carrying a first aid kit? And he's like, well, hey, this is what I'm all about. This is what I'm here for. It was an interruption. And yet what you find is when you're living for God and loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're loving your neighbors. If God will bring things along your path, that's not an interruption to your life. That is the mission of your life. That's what God has called us to do. So this guy is ministering to him, and he's caring for him, and he's going the extra mile. See, when you go to do the work of the Lord, it's not what's easy and what's convenient. It is what is God placed in front of you and called you to do, and to do nothing is not an option. It's not an option. It says that he took the man, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he provided food, clothing, shelter for him. He even gave money to the innkeeper. And commentaries will tell you it's somewhere between two months and six months worth of resource. What is that a picture of? God's over-the-top extravagant love that he always pours out on those who need his healing. I don't know, you may be identifying with the guy who was beaten and, and, and broken and, and bloodied, and you might be saying, how can I care for somebody else? God, my life is so messed up and I'm so hurting. Then you know what? You came to the right place today because the God who loves you, the God who knows you, the God who can heal you, the God who can save you is in this place. You just need to receive his free gift of grace and love because he cares for you. Others of you say, oh, I don't know about that, but you can identify with the guy right here who says, hey, I'm religious. If I were to talk about who's excited about Easter, you'd probably be like, can't wait. Got my dress picked out. <laughs> Got my suit picked out. I already know which tie I'm going to wear on Easter Sunday. And we can get excited about it. This guy's an expert in the law. He knew religion, but it wasn't about religion. Because after Jesus tells this story, he asks this guy, he says, now, who is the compassionate, caring neighbor? And this guy said, well, it's, it's that Samaritan. It's the one who showed compassion. And Jesus is like, you nailed it. So you go and do likewise. And what he was saying to you is, he was saying, the story I just told you, you can't do that. And I'm showing you how miserably short your love falls and think about this the guy said who is my neighbor and instead of Jesus talking about here's what your neighbor's needs look like Jesus said here's what your heart looks like priest Levite here's what it doesn't look like this Samaritan who is the compassionate neighbor I guess the Samaritan then go and be like him and he wanted the guy to see, I can't. You know why? Because you can never live the way God's called you to live. You can never love the way you're called to love unless you have the love of Jesus transform your own heart first. Amen. 
And at the same time, when the love of Christ has impacted your life, you cannot live the rest of your life ignoring the moments of sharing the love of Christ with others. So if I've been changed by the resurrection power of Jesus that I'll celebrate on Easter, then I am compelled to, as I celebrate, as I go through life thanking him, celebrating the fact that he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he brings along my path people who need that hope. And it is not an option to say, that's a shame. Somebody should do something about that. So my question would be, not only are you excited about Easter, but I'm wondering who is going to experience Easter this year because God uses you to bring them to him. Everybody bringing somebody. Everybody doing what they can. There are people in your home. There are people in your neighborhood. There are people at your work who need to know Jesus. I'm just going to tell you right now, I am so excited about what God is launching here at People's Church. As you start this series, Pastor Herbert's going to kick off on Easter Sunday, Finish Strong. And, and the whole weekend is going to be a powerful weekend. But I'm telling the team here on this, on this church leadership staff, they are praying, they are fasting, they are planning. And so there's going to be the launching of the small group initiative. You're going to be challenged to not only bring people to the services, to the experiences that weekend, but to go with them through some small group stuff where you're doing life and community together. There's going to be the launch of this huge uh, first step initiative where, where people who come to know Christ get grounded in their faith. I'm telling you, listen, just, just track with me. God is on the move. I'm telling you, if you have any spiritual discernment, you know it's more than us just saying Sunday, Easter Sunday, that's the Super Bowl Sunday for the church. Do you realize across the globe this will be the day that, that is the highest attendance at just about every church that is preaching the gospel? This will be a day to where the, the, the houses are full with people. Do you realize that this will be the greatest harvest of souls? Some churches will have more people come to know Jesus on Easter Sunday than they do in all of their other Sundays combined. Did you know that the Bible says when one person comes to know the Lord that there's a celebration in the presence of God. How many guys know there's about to be a party in heaven on Easter weekend for all the people coming to know Jesus? God is on the move. He's setting this up. Easter is coming, but I don't want us to just celebrate it. I don't want us just to look forward to it. I want to know, God, if I have your love in my heart, I cannot ignore the people who need it as well. So who can I bring? So I'm calling you today to the human right. And here's what that looks like. It's twofold. Number one, that between now and Easter, you will pray about and watch for the opportunities. Everybody bringing somebody to Jesus. And then there's a second part. And it's that you and I would realize we're not only called our neighbors, not only the people in our close proximity, but there are people all over the world who have the right to know that Jesus loves them. And don't you dare ever underestimate the power of one simple act of obedience one simple listening to what God nudges your heart to do and you have no idea what that's going to lead to in our church we had this opportunity that we became aware of to send some clothes to some children in Haiti at an orphanage they needed some clothing we were approached and said you guys have a lot of girls which is true we, we, 
412 and counting or whatever our book is going to be called, our TV reality show. So we had all these children. And people were like, can you send some, some clothes to the... And you know what? My wife and my kids and I, we were honored. We were like, absolutely. And so we did that. And we just were so excited that we're able to be a part of that ministry. And then time passed and there was an international adoption worker in our church who approached us and said, hey, there's a little girl, a little three-year-old girl in, in Haiti. And she is struggling from sickle cell anemia. It's causing all kinds of health issues for her. And uh, she doesn't get the treatment that she needs. We're afraid that we're going to lose her. We're trying to figure out if there's any way to get her to the States and get her treatment. And we know that you guys know people. You're connected. And we're just wondering, would you be able to help us get her here and then get the the treatments that she needs and and get it paid for? And we said, we'll sure try. And they sent us a, a picture of this little girl. And would you believe when the picture came? This is, this is little Josie. Would you believe when the picture came, when we looked at this picture, it wasn't this one, but it was another picture. This little girl was wearing one of the outfits we had sent to Haiti. Can you believe this? It like blew my mind. We're like, that's the little outfit Angel used to wear. That's crazy. And they're like, yeah, we were wondering if you could help. And we said, we'll sure try. And in the meantime of us doing everything we could on our end to try and get things straightened out, the earthquake of Haiti hit. Impacted the orphanage. Children lost their lives. We were like, oh, little Josie. How's little Josie? Would you believe it when the earthquake hit? She, would, she was taken from some of the, with some of the leaders, and they were on a trip to go, I believe, going to the embassy for some work, maybe working on getting the, the visa or the passport or something. So she wasn't there, and so she survived. She, she wasn't killed in the earthquake, and we were able to work it out to get Josie to the States. Not only got her the medical help that she needed, but she was adopted by a God-fearing, wonderful, loving, and kind Christian family. Today, Josie is seven years old, loving Jesus. Here's a picture of little Josie now. Isn't that awesome? I didn't even know it yesterday when I was coming. Josie was coming over our house to play with our girls. They're all buddies, and they play and have fun. I wasn't even thinking about that. I just knew I was coming here to do this message on the human right. And, and I, I thought of Josie's story. I was like, that's perfect. Because we had no idea we're just sending some clothes, one small act of obedience and what God is going to. Don't you underestimate when God speaks to your heart to do something, how God can use you to share Easter with people. So one is that you'd bring people Easter weekend. The second thing is that you would help us. You're going to hear in just a moment a video from Pastor Herbert. Sharing a need to impact. I know Pastor Herbert has a heart for broken, hurting people away from Jesus. I know People's Church does as well. I know that you do. I know that you have a heart for Haiti. And there's an organization called Convoy of Hope. And they're going to some of the just most devastated areas of Haiti. They are giving clothes and food to little boys and little girls. And they need a vehicle. They need about $35,000 for a vehicle. To go and minister to these kids. And we've said, Pastor Herbert has said, People's Church wants to get in on this and not just celebrate Easter right here, but to take the resurrection life of Jesus to the people who need it the most all over the globe. So we want to be a part. So Pastor Herbert's going to share this quick video and let you know how you can be a part of carrying out 
the human right. Watch this video. People's Church, we have just heard a powerful message from Pastor Scotty Gibbons about the human right. Everybody needs to hear and know Jesus Christ. And at People's Church, that is our heartbeat, getting outside these four walls and making a difference. That's why we do events like the Day of Hope. That's why this month, in just a couple of weeks, on March 28th, we're going to Hilldale Elementary School on the northwest side of Oklahoma City. And we're spending a half a day there painting, beautifying the campus inside and out to show the love of Jesus Christ to our community. And we want to go to Haiti, as we have done several times already. I've been myself. We're going again this year in July to show the love of Jesus Christ. And this opportunity to partner together to provide a vehicle for a missionary in Haiti is so critical. I just can't imagine functioning in life, in our daily lives, without some of the necessities we have, like transportation. And we have missionaries on the ground that literally just need transportation to help them preach the gospel to the beautiful people in Haiti, to the little boys, to the little girls, to the teenagers, to the moms and dads and grandpa and grandpas. We want everybody in Haiti to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And what I want us to do today, I want all of us to prepare our hearts and ask God, God, what would you have me to give today over and above my tithe to help the people in Haiti to know Jesus Christ? And 100% of this offering is going to go to provide a vehicle to a missionary to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the villages, to the places that nobody can get to, and so everybody can know in Haiti about Jesus Christ. My wife and I, we got online already. And we have given a generous gift for this vehicle to be purchased for one reason, the human right. Everybody has a right to know about Jesus Christ. Thank you for your heart of generosity. Thank you for being a dream builder and giving of your time and talent and treasure to see more changed lives.